Hi, this is Natalie Hoffman of FlyingFreeNow.com, and you're listening to the Flying Free Podcast, a support resource for women of faith looking for hope and healing from hidden emotional and spiritual abuse. Welcome to episode 39 of the Flying Free Podcast. Today, Rachel and I are going to be talking, we're going to be actually answering a question, and hello, Rachel. Hey. <laughs> um, she's going to actually read the question and then we're going to dig in and talk about it. So go ahead. Here we go. My biggest challenge is currently trying to stop thinking and obsessing about the marriage and whether there's any hope for us getting back together. Will he change the emotional abusive behavior? Also, although he's not good for me, I still feel a very strong attraction and I'm pining for him. And he takes up so much of my thoughts and my heart feels heavy. Is this trauma bonding? How can I recover from this? I find it especially difficult when well-meaning pastors say things like, God put you together, so do, uh, don't let the enemy steal your marriage, and that it, it's always possible for change, etc. It makes me procrastinate even more. I'm trying to do no contact, and I'm amazed at how tough I'm finding it. So is this trauma bonding? I think we can say yes. Yeah. And that and. So Rachel, um, I actually looked this up online. I found a little article on Wikipedia. So if anyone wants to look up the article, um, just all you have to do is Google trauma bonding and this little article will come up. And trauma bonding is the intermittent reinforcement of reward and punishment. That's where, that's how Mm -hmm. you become trauma bonded. So when you think about abuse, that's exactly what it is. It's Mm -hmm. this intermittent reinforcement of reward and punishment. And that's why it's so, so difficult for the longer that you're in a relationship like that, the more difficult it's going to be to extract yourself from it. Yeah. I think for a lot of women, the experience is, so at the beginning of the relationship, they are, you know, their husbands um, are looking at them and treating them like just the most beautiful, wonderful person in the entire world. And they're just so in love and they, and they just treat you so well. Maybe there's a few red flags here and there, but for the most part, they're just, you know, they're love bombing you. They're um, basically acting as though you are their everything. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then as the relationship wears on, you know, maybe real life comes into the mix Um, there's more, um, some more red flags popping up. And then after a while, they are just completely into this power mode where they use their position as your spouse or whatever in this relationship in order to take control. And they want you, they have very specific expectations for how they want you to act. And if you don't meet those, and they, they change a lot, the goalposts move all the time. Mm-hmm. If, you, if you don't meet them, whatever they are that day, then there is some form of punishment. They withdraw that love, that love, that attention. And what that does to people in, a, in a both an emotional and then also a physical way, in a chemical way in your body with stress and love hormones, it causes you to just do everything you can to get that um, that love back, that attention back, that source of, you know, those compliments that... Um, all of that, that affection, and it is devastating. Okay. This is a real thing. This is like a drug addiction. You are reliant on something for your well-being um, that is 
bad for you. Okay. And what, what happens eventually is that, um, it doesn't take very many rewards and you still, um, you, you bear it out. You keep putting up with the punishment or the bad phases and then just hoping for that reward. And it doesn't even have to come very often, but if you know it's, it could come, that's what keeps you going. Right. It is, it's horrible. It is. I've noticed that when people, when women um, separate or when they're thinking about separating, they're still, what ends up happening is their, um, their partner will give them more of that positive reinforcement then. Mm -hmm. And so Mm -hmm. it's, it's so tempting to want to go back Mm -hmm. into that then because you experience this relief that feels normal. Getting out feels very abnormal. It feels, it's going against everything that you think and that you believe and you're swimming upstream. Whereas Mm -hmm. just sliding back into that normal, uh, just accepting that love, even if it's not real, even Mm -hmm. if you know, it's not going to last feels better. It just feels better. It does. It is so uncomfortable. I mean, more than uncomfortable. It's, I mean, it's really devastating to see like, you know, my husband was bringing home flowers. He was helping me with some kids I was babysitting. Like he had never done that even with our own son. Okay. So he was like actually playing an active role in like kids' lives. And like, you know, there's nothing more attractive than a man who's helping with a baby. Right. And he had (laughs) never done that before. So I was like seeing him with new eyes and like seeing what he could have been. And, um, it was so hard because, you know, also you're just living on that hope. I've talked about this before where I just lived on the hope of what could be over and over again. And it certainly wasn't my reality, but I knew it was possible. And so I kept working towards it because I had seen little glimpses of, of who he could be, but he chose not to be that person. And I had to accept that, that that was something that he made a conscious decision that that's not who he was. Yes. And, and that actually is the very first step to extracting yourself or to basically from, I don't know if you would call it deprogramming or what do they call it when, when you're um, coming off of an addiction? What is that called? De- Detoxing. Detoxing. Yes. Yeah. The first step is to let go of that fantasy thinking, that magical thinking, that, and to stay rooted in the uncomfortable truth of reality. Yes. So, and that's really hard to do when, like you said, when they're, when they're holding the baby and when they're acting super, super nice, that's really hard yeah. then to push past that and go, okay, this is not, that's not real. You want to believe that's real, but mm-hmm. that's the not real part of the relationship. That's the fake part. Exactly. And I want to key in on a phrase you used that is so important. It is letting go or surrendering. So one of the most pivotal moments in my time when I was coming to realize what was truly going on in my marriage was I was reading Leslie Vernick's book, The Emotionally Destructive Marriage. And she, there was the page where she talks about surrender, like, will you surrender the outcome of the marriage to the Lord? And I remember just collapsing on the floor of my laundry room because I was so overcome with fear about what would happen because I had held on so tightly and just yeah. tried to make things work and it, and it just wouldn't. And I knew it. Um, and I, I said, yes, I will. And, um, it was the first step in allowing his responsibility to be his responsibility and my responsibility to be my responsibility. Yeah. And that's really key. You can't control what they do. You can right. only control what you do. Right. The other thing I was going to say too, is that it's, it's the other 
piece of this that makes it super hard is that you're not the only one that is fighting against yourself. You've yeah. got other voices telling you, look at what he's doing. Look, he's turning his life around. Look at all mm-hmm. of these good things. So they're also, you're having to push past your own inner voice that wants that relief. And then also the voices of everybody else who are really, you know what it's, it's, you know what it's like? It's like a drug addict with his drug addict buddies telling, yeah. telling him, you know, yeah. or her. The other junkies. Yeah, the other junkies. Yeah. Keep, yeah. No, come on, just shoot up one more time. It's going to feel mm-hmm. so good. You're going to get relief. Yeah, you, and you don't want to do that. So that's another part to your healing is you need to get away from the other junkies. And you need to start hanging out with people who are going to tell you the truth about your drug addiction. Exactly. And here's the thing, Natalie, they are so rare. The people who are willing to sit in uncomfortable and messy situations and not give you pat answers like, oh, don't let the enemy take away your marriage as if (laughs) it hadn't already been taken away because of... Right. Yeah. There's so much to say there, but... um, they just want to like put, they want to give you some nice little scripture, um, spiritualizing messages and then put the bow on it and send you on your way and feel good about themselves and what they've done. And instead of sitting with you in the messiness and the pain and acknowledging that there is not always an answer for why people do what they do or why God allows people to do what they do. Right. Right. And, and to, to acknowledge even the depths of evil that's truly present in the world. Yep. Um, and what we see so often in abusive marriages. Yeah. Um, uh, so another thing that you had said earlier was, um, that you can't control what they do. So the other thing that you need to do, the other step, we didn't really put these steps in order, but we're just, (laughs) I think this is step number three or, uh, strategy number three is to start focusing not on your relationship with this person, So in other words, don't focus on the drug. You need to start focusing on taking care of yourself. All right? Yeah. So if you know that something's not healthy for you and something's destroying you you, and you you care about yourself, you're going to um, remove yourself from those situations and you're going to start taking care of yourself. And when you start focusing on your own mental health, your own emotional health, your own spiritual health, that's going to create a shift in you that follows. So sometimes we have to do things physically before we are, our feelings catch up with us. Mm -hmm. Um, so, um, you know, we might feel like, Oh, I just feel like this woman said, I just feel, uh, how did she put it? I feel so upset. She used the word obsessed at one point. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, she knows her heart feels heavy. She knows that um, he's not good for her, but he takes up so much of her thoughts anyway. Yes. So the focus there obviously is this person, the other person. She's not focusing on her health. She is obsessed with the drug. I love that drug analogy. I'm just, I'm going to use that. It works. I'm now. Totally works. Um, So, so how you take care. So Rachel, can you think of ways that you like things that you actually did practical things that you did to take care of yourself that helped you make that shift in your thinking away from him and onto yourself, which sounds again, it's like you have to go against all of the Christian cliche teaching that you learned that says, Oh no, you shouldn't take care of yourself. You shouldn't love yourself. You shouldn't, you know, you need to, 
just die to yourself. Like die. (laughs) (laughs) It's yeah, no, it's the turd in the glass of lemonade. There's a, there's some truth there. Like, don't be completely selfish. Right. Right. You can't love others. You can't love others if you don't love yourself. There's no love to give. Okay. And that's something that we really have to get in our heads. But as far as how to take care of yourself. And this is something I'm still learning. I heard an analogy recently, another, a different analogy, um, about how, treating yourself like a trauma patient. Cause you really are, you probably have some CP, CPTSD. You wouldn't expect things from a trauma patient lying in a hospital bed that you would from someone who hasn't been through those things. Okay. Right. So your body needs rest. I, that was one of the things I prioritized and I still try to, um, it's so hard for me to get to bed early. I always have things I could be doing up late and then the bedtime or the waking up time is always the same time and it's always so early. Right. But, um, so trying to get enough sleep, eight hours of sleep, if you can, it's not always possible. Um, I, I have this whole thing around food, like food is, has always been such a source of comfort for me. And I sort of like, you know, I know how to eat healthy, but I sort of, and I tried to do that, but I also was giving myself a lot of grace in those areas as far as not being totally strict on a diet, but also it's a double-edged sword because food can also make you feel like crap if you're not eating what your body needs. Right, right. So like, you know, just trying, I think the principle here is just giving yourself grace for what you can do and, um, and saying, and, and also giving yourself credit for what you do do. Because I know in my mind, it never seems like what, like I can have a very full day and I would still feel like I hadn't done anything. Okay. Or, or it wasn't enough because there was always more I could do. Okay. And this is, this is patterns of thinking that results from abusive relationships because it really wasn't ever enough for in my previous relationship, I could never meet that standard. So that's where that comes from. But like thinking back and saying, wow, I actually did get a lot done. And yeah, my list maybe not could be completely checked off, but there's tomorrow and I'm going to tackle those things then. So giving yourself grace and credit as well and congratulating yourself. And and you talk a lot about self-affirmations in the mirror. And I think that sort of fits in with that. And I felt so silly imagining myself because my husband, ex-husband was a huge mocker and would like scoff at anything like that. And so I had a really hard time getting into that, but your encouragement to do that is really, um, I think valuable. I still do that. I still talk Mm -hmm. to myself in the mirror and yeah. Um, what was I going to say something about, well, one thing I, I know I wanted to, um, mentioned too, I'm actually working on a blog article about this whole topic and that's exercise. So exercise has always been hard for me, but when I exercise, so I've got this playlist that I've been putting together and it's, uh, it's like a empowering women exercise playlist. So all the songs have a, a, an exercise beat to them, but it's not that boring kind of you know how some exercise playlists are just, it's the same beat. It's really disgusting. Yeah. I can't stand boring. Like, so all of these songs have great words or really empowering words, great beats, great melodies, great voices. And they actually, when you, when I get on my elliptical and listen to this playlist, I actually get shivers sometimes, you know, goosebumps on my skin. Uh-huh. Those are endorphins. Those are like really endorphins get released into your body and endorphins are stress 
stress relievers. <laughs> They're stress relievers. <laughs> yeah. You, your body releases dopamine, which is this another hormone that it releases when you're in that love bombing phase. So you can mm-hmm. actually get a dopamine release from exercising and it releases serotonin and some other, it actually releases a bunch of really feel good. So if you've got a chemical imbalance, this would be the same thing, keeping with our uh, junky uh, analogy. So it'd be the same thing as maybe a nicotine patch, maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> so, sure. Um, it helps. So you need to replace those hormones. You need to be getting those feel good hormones and those feel yeah, good. Yeah, from another place. From another place. Exactly. Exactly. So, yeah. Exercising. And plus that just, you don't even have to do it very long. You can do it for 20 minutes and you are, you will feel amazing. Mm-hmm. And I'm telling you from the perspective of someone who hates exercising, I think <laughs> it's super boring. I just want to get on with my day. If I exercise with no music, I just feel drained and exhausted afterwards. And if I exercise with really relaxing kind of, you know, I don't know, like Christian pop music, I also feel drained and well, there's some Christian music I actually feel really empowered by, but, um, anyway, I will be writing that pot, that, uh, article. It's actually going to come out before this podcast. So, and I don't know what it's called, but go check it out on my blog somewhere. I think it's, uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's a problem podcast. with recording podcasts way in advance. Yeah. I, uh, I don't know what the article is going to be called, but it'll be about, something about empowering. Oh, I think it's going to actually be an empowering drug that you can't live without or something like that. Mm-hmm. So anyway, it's good. So the exercising, um, go yes. ahead. Um, I was just going to encourage her just to really get to know herself, like find the things that she does, like, like, you know, that music and exercise that works for you. And, um, I think probably that would work for a lot of people, but like get to know who you really are. And that's something I still really, I, I have to do like, you do little check-ins with myself. Like, how do I really feel? Cause I've spent so much of my life, actually all of my life ignoring what was going on inside of me. And so a lot of times I'm just so indecisive because I can't figure out like what I even really feel. I haven't even, yeah. it's just so packed down. Yeah. Um, so like getting to know that identity and like giving yourself permission even to have an identity, um, is important after an abusive relationship. And actually I want to share something. I just, speaking of Christian music, I got to go to the Hillsong United concert last week, Friday. Okay. And if you don't know who they are, they're really great long, long-term band. Um, that's, I'm sure if you're a believer, you've sung their songs. So anyway, yes. um, it was an amazing worship experience and I'd been struggling some with like, you know, I was in an abusive home growing up and then an abusive marriage and like, like sort of asking God why, you know, why has this been allowed to happen? And, um, just the sense I got, and I want to share is that, you know, just because I lived in lies and about my identity, about who I was, about what I needed to do does not lessen the truth of God's love for me that entire time. And all I had to do was like uncover the crap and untwist from the crap and really get to know who he was and what he said about me. And I I thought I knew him and I, and I, I sort of did, but I wasn't almost allowed to believe it or act in like live it out, you know, because of my environment. So, um, the, the lies do not make the truth any less true about God's love for you. That's right. Get, and get to know him. And he is there and he will meet you there. 
right. and bring him into your deepest pain and your deepest questions. And like, cause there was so much I held back from him because I was so ashamed um, and so overwhelmed by it too. And that mm-hmm. it doesn't make sense. Like it's counterintuitive, but it was so hard to release that. So like surrender is a process a long-term process as well. Like almost a daily process, I think yeah. um, of giving all that pain and all that heartbreak over to God. Yeah. Well, and that actually brings us to strategy number four, which is we want to try to escape those bad feelings and those emotions that you get when you're going cold, you know, when you're getting off your drug cold Turkey, but, and, but here's the thing. You actually, the best way through that pain is to actually embrace it and sit in it. Yes. Yes. Accept, surrender to the fact that this process is just plain old painful and there's no getting around it. You can't escape it. If you try to escape it or you try to numb out or you, Mm -hmm. there's all kinds of ways that we as humans escape our pain, right? If you do that, you won't, you won't end up actually coming out on the other side where you can actually be truly free from it and, um, and heal from it. So, yes. And the world is full of people who will not deal with their pain. And so it spreads out to all the people around them in various ways, but they can't, they can't help it. Um, and I think dealing with your pain, going, taking a deep dive inside of yourself and allowing yourself to feel that pain is one of the most courageous things anyone can do. Yep. I think it's Patrick Doyle who said that denial is the root of all pathology. Yes. It's Patrick Doyle quoting M. Scott Peck. (laughs) Oh, okay. Oh my goodness. Wow. You have a great memory. No, I don't, but I I know that somehow that was, I've been meaning (laughs) to read. I've been reading to read people, read people the lie for a long time. Oh, that's such a good book. It's such a good book. Okay. Um, Okay. So the other, so the, another uh, strategy then after you've, you know, kind of gone through all of that is to process through all of this stuff with support, not just yes. by yourself, but to actually have, so this would again be having those people around you, like Alcoholics Anonymous, they've got people around them, non-judgmental people who people who will validate what you're going through. They'll just be there to listen. They're not there to give you advice. They're not there to tell you what to do. They're just there to support and, and listen. It's really sad that you yes. have to Alcoholics Anonymous to find something like that. You should be able to go to the church. But the church, usually you don't find that in a church. You find lots of advice, but not so much yeah. just listening. So mm-hmm. process with support. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put in a shameless plug for fly, the Flying Free group. Mm-hmm. Okay, so um, Rachel is... Well, Rachel's the community director of the Flying Free Group, and I'm the founder. And there are hundreds of women in that group right now that that are getting, they're processing what they're going through with the support of us, as well as other leaders in the group and their peers, other women who are right in the thick of what they're going through. Mm -hmm. So you can find out more about that group if you go to flyingfreenow.com, my website. There's several links on each episode there's a link at the bottom there's a link on the sidebar um it just is just the flying free education and support community and you can find out more by clicking on that link so um also i have a workbook coming out i just finished it um it just is in the editing process right now but it is a workbook that will comprehensively lead you and thoroughly 
lead, walk you through each chapter of my book, but it's a, something that you fill out yourself. It's your personal workbook. It will ask you very, uh, it'll dig deep. Okay. It's like a surgery scalpel. It'll dig deep inside of you and it'll pull out stuff from inside of you and help you to process. And by the time you're done working through that workbook and reading my book, you will have, it, it, it's like a, it's like counseling on steroids. I really, Mm -hmm. if I would have had this, I could have done without the counseling that the, well, I didn't have great counselors. Okay. So I, (laughs) so this was was for sure, you know, I I don't know if this would replace a really outstanding, phenomenal counselor you might want to, but you could do this with a counselor too, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. with a counselor. And I'm hoping that people will actually lead small groups and do this in their communities. Have I brought this up before? I don't remember. I don't think you have. Not on the podcast. Okay. So um, anyway, so the last strategy though is just to rebuild and rebuild your life and and get your new focus on, you know, after you've worked through some of of your personal healing, also to focus on other relationships. Because just because this relationship failed or is failing, um, doesn't mean that you, you are still wired to live in relationship with an intimacy and connection with other human beings. So it's really important that you, um, have that and, and, and healthy ones are out there. You just have to learn, give yourself the tools to, to know how to identify someone who is healthy versus someone who isn't right. and safe people by clouded towns. And we've recommended that before on here. It's yes. a good one to, under, to to get to know those traits that people who are safe yes. possess. So that um, book is, again is Safe People. It went, you went by really fast there, but it's called Safe People by Henry Cloud and John Townsend. Great book. Um, and, oh, I can't remember what I was going to say. I lost my train of thought. But I, I, do you have anything else you want to share? I think I pretty much... The support is so crucial. Um, flying Free, there are incredible life-changing relationships that are built in there. And, and I am not the only one who would say that, um, they're the, the, the ladies in there are some of the most genuine, loving, kind, supportive people you will ever meet. Yeah. And they love the Lord and they they encourage you in the Lord and give you truth about the Lord, um, and yeah. remind you when you need it. So that's right. I can't it's recommend not it enough. It's not, I've heard some people say, oh, I'm afraid it's going to be like a man bashing thing. It is so not, I mean, no. have never gotten that impression? That's never a, once. No. no. Um, it, that's not to say that, that people don't share what they're going through. And of course, what they're going through is, you know, men are treating them poorly. But most of these women are, they truly want to honor God with their lives. And most of them truly care about their, their partners. Yes. Um, and, and they, yes. and even if they're separated or divorced from them, they truly did want the best for them and had given decades of their life really in trying mm-hmm. to, um, trying to achieve, you know, trying to help their partner with that, but, and it just didn't work out. So it's not, th- these are very mature Christian women that they're just, I, I say it all the time. They're the cream of the crop of yes they are there and they're they're the ones that have been excommunicated and and ostracized from their christian communities and i think they're just i think they are true are are their god's really precious daughters so if you have a chance so um there's some new things coming out i'm actually going to send out an email 
um, we have a, I'm going to be, we're going to be selecting a, uh, a, a woman to get a scholarship, a one-year scholarship each month. Oh, that's exciting. And yeah. So there's an application process, but one woman each month will get selected to have a one-year scholarship. And then also we're going to start doing a drawing, one drawing a month for um, new subscribers. And I, I might have, a, I might let other people who have already subscribed um, jump on too, to get in that, especially that first drawing, but to, ha- to get three months for free. So t- oh. just a three month trial period. And yeah. so one person each month will get three months for free. That, that will just be any, that could just be anybody. So, um, I think, oh, oh, oh. And the other thing I was going to say is we've just, I've just added something called office hours. So that's where, um, I will be, I'm not going to be doing any private coaching anymore. I'm just, I'm going to actually open up my office for an hour each week. And just let, and members of Flying Free can just come in and talk with me. So I had my first office hours yesterday. There were two women who came in and we had a great, it really was like a coaching session with those two women and they encouraged each other and they encouraged me, I encouraged them and it was great. So um, that's going to be kind of another feature, but that is for members only. So just another little perk of being a member. Patrick Doyle is doing a workshop in the flying free group in October, on October 6th, when you join, you get access to all of the past workshops and all future workshops. There's a new workshop with an expert in the field every single month and just lots and lots of really great stuff. So Patrick is so great. He's such a blessing. And I um, actually just shared my butterfly story in the last, I guess it was for September, wasn't it? That is right. So if you want to hear Rachel's story, so we have, the other thing we have is a monthly butterfly story and a different woman who has gotten out of abuse and has rebuilt her life comes in and shares her, her story of getting out and rebuilding. And some of the women are single. Some of the women have been remarried, but they are all thriving and they all have amazing stories to tell. So it just gives other women hope along the journey. Yeah, it's always so encouraging to hear these women and you just feel so connected with them and can pick up pieces of their stories and it's like from your own life. So I love listening to butterfly stories. Right. Well, we're going to end there and, um, but we look forward to talking with you again next week and until then, fly free.